It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Life can present many challenges, as most of us know from recent events. A pandemic, financial concerns, isolation, and health issues can create anxiety and fear. Re-emerging from a crisis takes inner strength and determination. The good news is that according to today's guest, Panache Desai, you have the power to reconnect to who you really are, which can allow you to reach levels of personal and professional success. Panache is here today to help us do just that. Panache is a best-selling author, thought leader, and business and life catalyst. He's been interviewed by Oprah Winfrey for Super Soul Sunday, and he's collaborated with Deepak Chopra, Reverend Michael Beckwood, and Neil Donald Walsh. Panache's new book is You Are Enough, Revealing the Soul to Discover Your Power, Potential, and Possibility. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here with you and great to be here with everyone tuning in. So, Panache, I want to start this conversation off by getting your thoughts about what is happening in the world today. What do you have to say that can offer our listeners hope? Well, the first thing that everybody needs to know that it's perfectly okay to be feeling everything that you're feeling right now that it's okay to be feeling sad, it's okay to be feeling afraid, it's okay to be living inside of this lack of certainty. The truth is that everything inside of us that we once believed was solid, or that was a part of who we were, or that was something that we could rely on, is being fundamentally shaken. And uh, in my book, You Are Enough, I talk about the difference between this created self uh, that we believe that we need to have in order to excel and advance in the world, and the essential self, the authentic version of who we are. And so what's happening right now is being, we're being shown the absolutely unsustainable nature of this created self, of this goal setting, this ambition, this pushing, this driving, this accumulation. Because the truth is, in any moment as we're experiencing now, all of that can be gone. And we're being put in this giant moment of redefinition and reprioritization. You know, it's interesting how in self-isolation and quarantine, we're now being asked to be with ourselves, to be with the parts of ourselves that we have avoided, that maybe we distract ourselves from. In addition to that, we're being asked to be with our families and our loved ones, or, or at least to communicate with them via technology to see how they are. We're being asked to prioritize who we are above and beyond everything else. And in this time, we're being shown very clearly what's important and what matters. And you know what? That isn't the promise that we were we were told that, you know, we were here to fill. That isn't this, you know, uh, notion or false metric of power, fame, money, and success. You know, this this virus is affecting everybody equally. Uh, the shifts in the economy are affecting everybody equally. And we're realizing actually through all of this that we are more alike and more similar than we are different. So I believe that this is a, a time 
where this authentic aspect of who we are emerges. We allow this loving part of us to be at the forefront of why we're here, and also that we begin to understand that most of the tools that we have in the transformational space absolutely don't work. Because in order for us to evolve, we have to deal with ourselves at the level of feeling, not at the level of the mind. And the more we can welcome what we're feeling, the more we can be with ourselves, the more we can be with our experience as it is right now, knowing that we're doing the best that we can, the more we're going to tap into the peace that's always there underneath it all. The more people that I talk with, Panache, there are people who are in total agreement with you, and I happen to be one of them. But... Then there are people that are so uncomfortable with what's happening now that that they feel like they're not going to be able to make it. What do you say to those people? Well, it's especially important for them to realize that they're enough. It's especially important for them to realize that who they are, their value and their worth comes from, from just their being, from their essence, not what they do, not what they hang their hats on. You know, it, it's interesting because I see this as a time of almost being humbled, Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like we're being shown that the simpler we are, the, the closer we are to nature, the more sustainable we are, the, the, the more we are advocating on, beh- on behalf of love and empathy and compassion, the more we're able to move through this gracefully. And so um, I would say to those people right now that are struggling in any way, shape or form to surrender their cares or their burdens or their worries to the divine of their understanding and the beloved of their heart. Because right now we're being asked to turn within and we're being asked to place that presence and that divine intelligence first to prioritize our families, to prioritize our health over our material possessions, over accumulation, over production and over consumption. You know, it's it's almost like your book is a guide for how to get through this. I mean, in it, you wrote your divine essence is far greater than intellect when you tap into that force through present moment awareness, you unleash its power in your life. And that is exactly what we all need to do now. It's so amazing that the timing of this book and, and just everything that's happening. You know, I was on a, a book tour, a 20 city book tour, uh, the week before uh, the World Health Organization uh, announced this as a global pandemic. My book became a national bestseller. And so we very quickly. Uh, pivoted away from those in-person events into very quickly offering daily meditations online, which are being attended by thousands of people from all over the world. They're called a call to calm. Uh, They're available at 9 a.m. Eastern. To then offering uh, vibrational support, energetic support to people at 11 a.m. Eastern. To then also supporting people in semi-private sessions to help them individually through what they're going through, through their own unique form of this crisis. And the book has become a talisman of this time for so many. You know, this this time of self-isolation and quarantine, people have really been diving into it. And I've been getting DMs, emails, and messages from all over the world as to how they're finding such comfort from this book at this time. And so if you haven't got it yet, please get the uh, ebook version of it uh, and order the hardcover copy for, for later so that it can be delivered to you. But it's absolutely what we need to know right now. It's absolutely the redefinition that we all have to go through. Because when you change your energy, you change your life. When you shift how you feel and you shift the level of feeling, you shift the level of the mind, you shift the level of the body, and then you shift your entire reality. Well, you know, and another interesting thing, when you step back and you look at what's happening in the world, 
we've been more connected than ever before in history. Uh, it's, you know, an immediate thing. You can reach someone across the world immediately. And yet people have been lonelier than they've ever been before. And really what's taking place now, it's forcing us to reconnect on a, a more personal level. It depends on how we define connection. Uh, if we're talking about connection through social media, um, that isn't really connection. Uh, it's an avenue of communication. Right. It's a platform to share ideas. However, it's not uh, us sharing who we are uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, when I speak of connection, uh, for me, that's recognizing um, who we are, recognizing that everyone that we engage with is an aspect of ourselves that just needs to be embraced and needs to be loved. And that, to me, is the opportunity now. And that is the uh, kind of uh, clarion call of the of the moment, is to embrace every day that we meet as a part of ourselves, whether that be an afraid aspect of ourselves, whether that be, you know, an angry aspect of ourselves, whether that be a, a, a sad aspect of ourselves. And the more we realize that every single thing that we're interfacing with in our lives is us, because in oneness, life is as we are, the more we're empowered to navigate our way through this time. And so I would advocate right now on behalf of everybody actually picking up the phone and calling, FaceTiming, you know, and just being there. And, and I would share this with you because um, when my daughter Celeste was born, she was hospitalized for 18 months, the first 18 months of her life, and had five open-heart procedures and subsequently had a heart transplant at 18 months old. And there was one friend that called me every day, and he's one of the busiest people in the world. He's in fashion, and in every uh, day he's in a different city, and he would call me every day. And in that moment, um, I was allowed to be vulnerable. You know, I, I wasn't the person that sat next to Oprah. I wasn't the, the best-selling author. I, I wasn't the the life and business catalyst. I wasn't the person that people came to to solve complex problems on behalf of themselves or to support them in aligning with their divine connection. I wasn't that person. It was just panache. And I was just able to be completely transparent about how I was feeling, about what I was going through. And that call, that authentic caring, that authentic showing up was the greatest blessing of my life. That individual is now the godfather of my uh, twins. Uh, mm -hmm. Celeste is now five and Leonardo. And and this to me is, is what's required now, is letting people know that they're not alone, reaching out to people, you know, being there for them, you know, being available for them, you know, as much as possible offering ourselves up to the greater good of all of those right now who don't have the ability to have the awareness of who they are, who don't have the capacity to recognize what's happening, who are just stuck in this you know, uh, notion that the world, that the world and life as we know it is ending. Well, the world as we know it is ending, but the version of the world that's ending is the, is the version of the world that doesn't work for everybody anyway. Right. And so what we have to do is usher them through this time by holding their hand and just by embracing them every step of the way, because that's what being human is. And that's what it's going to take, us working together as one. And, and that's such a powerful message. Absolutely, because we're, we're realizing now that nothing happens in isolation. Right. You know, when, when everything first happened in China, I was already inundated with calls uh, from all throughout Asia and was fully abreast of everything that was happening. And I was actually waiting for this to begin to spread beyond China because I knew it would and um, and get to the U.S. And at the point that it did, 
uh, about a month before everything had happened, I had already had conversations internally to let people know uh, that we would need to be available to support the millions of people that look to me for inspiration, that look to me for connection, that look to me for guidance. And uh, thankfully, we were able to make all of those shifts and changes and have been able to do that on behalf of the global community. And what I can say to you is that what's needed now is the recognition that um, we are living in an age where because of the means and modes of travel that we have, because of the ease of flow of communication that we have, we the, these kind of boundaries of separation of, of like nation states and, you know, these boxes of conformity are blurring. And more and more, we're becoming one singular population. You know, we're becoming one singular family and one singular expression. And um, this is important because when we realize the oneness of all life, we can begin to remember the truth of why we're here. And that's not to bicker and argue and to posture and to, you know, be in this rightness about our beliefs and ideologies. Really, we're here to love one another, to support one another, and to advocate on behalf of each other, especially those who have yet to develop the capacity to advocate on behalf of themselves. Panache, do you think that there is ever a time in our life when we truly know who we are, but then somewhere along the way we forget that? So for me, the reason why this connection to our enlightened consciousness or our authentic self has been so elusive is because it hasn't translated at level of feeling. You know, in the Western transformational paradigm, we've had this preoccupation with the mind. And we've been working on the mind and shifting our beliefs and, you know, shifting our thoughts and everything's become about the mind. And, you know, as much as I respect Descartes, Descartes was fundamentally wrong in his statement. Uh, I think, therefore I am. The, the truth is I am, therefore I think. Mm -hmm. And so in the Western world, they put the mind before being. Uh, in the Eastern world, we always understood that being came before everything else. And so what we have to do is flip the transformational model on its head and recognize that who we are first is pure awareness, pure being and pure potential. And that we have a mind, but we're not our mind. That we have a body, but this body's on consignment. We have feelings, but we're not our feelings. You know, we, we, we have material possessions, but we're not our material possessions. We're, we, we simply have them for the duration of the time that we're here. And it's this fundamental redefinition of who we are around the truth that allows us to recognize that when we are feeling peaceful, we are being ourselves. When we're feeling peaceful, we're operating from our authentic self. When we're feeling peaceful, we're operating from our enlightened consciousness. And so peace is your natural state of being. And it's ever-present underneath the thoughts, underneath the emotions, underneath whatever's happening in the world. And at any moment, we can begin to become aware of our breathing. We can begin to observe what's naturally occurring in every moment underneath our very noses and return to that peace, return to that calm, return to that authenticity and source all of our choices, all of our guidance, all of our intuition and all of our solutions from that place of empowerment. There are a lot of people today that are experiencing this crisis, but, but even taking it further than that, any type of crisis in life, when they go through a difficult situation, they can't see a future, so they lose hope. They believe there is no future. What would you say to that person to give that person the power to keep moving forward? Well, I think that we were built for this time in human history. 
you know, I, I firmly believe that everyone's gone through everything that they've needed to on an individual level mm-hmm. to be prepared for this time. And that this is really a time of self-reliance and self-empowerment. And so what we have to do is advocate on behalf of the next best step that we can take, you know, the next best loving move that we can make. We have to do that as individuals. We have to do that as businesses. We have to do that as nation states. And eventually we have to do that as a global community. Uh, But for me, uh, it's bringing it back to its simplicity and recognizing that we can all just simply make the next best loving decision for us or a decision that contributes toward more peace in our lives. This is also an amazing time to put our lives under review. You know, uh, so many people have been working in jobs that they can't stand, they don't love, uh, and, and now they're at home in this time out, contemplating their future. And what I would say to people is, you know, how do you want your future to feel? If you want your future to continue to feel the way that it has, then don't change anything. Don't make any new decisions. Don't, don't, don't introduce any new possibilities into your experience. But if you're willing to take this time and to really have your life be a reflection of the love that you are and the potential that you are, then I would invite you to architect your entire existence around the feeling of peace. It is the most powerful way to live. And that's also true for relationships. You know, right now, uh, people who have been married for extended periods of time are now home with each other. Everybody's home, and and uh, we don't. People don't have the distraction of sports and, and entertainment. So people are actually having to speak to each other, and this is going to be a time where relationships are either solidified and fortified, or people will file for divorce. And so again, we have to get clear. If we're just going through the motions and sleepwalking through life, then we have to understand that the best that we're doing is suffering. The best that we're doing is surviving. At some point, we have to love ourselves enough to have the courage to redefine our reality around how we want to feel every day. Knowing that we deserve to have a relationship where there's intimacy and connection, knowing that we deserve to be in a job environment where we're able to be creative, where we're able to advance, where we're able to excel. Well, maybe it's time to start that business and that company that you've always wanted to. Remembering that in the height of crisis, some of the most important companies in the world were created and founded. And so we're only ever as limited as we allow ourselves to be. And we're only ever at any point in our lives being directed back home to our hearts, back home to the truth, and back home to the peace that can become the foundation and the core from which we can build a beautiful existence. Panash, everything that you're saying, it it offers so much hope, and I hope that our listeners are hearing you. And if you'd like to get more information, Panash's new book is You Are Enough, Revealing the Soul to Discover Your Power, Potential, and Possibility. And his website is panashdesai.com. And as always, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com. Panash, in our final moments, what is the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? You're not broken. You don't need healing. You're not a mistake. God wasn't having a bad day when you were made. You are beautiful. You are luminous. You are unique. And the more you start to embrace who you are and realize that you're perfect by design, the more you're going to be supported in unveiling the truth that resides at the foundation of your being. Panash, thank you so much for joining us. As I said, everything that you're saying offers so much hope. And and I thank you for teaching us, as you say, that life can be exceptional and that we are exceptional. Thank you so much, my love to you. 
This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Calm, vitality, mindfulness. We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain. Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets. New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life. Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information. Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs. Find your center at 30th and Madison. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Allison Carmen, a business consultant, life coach, and author of The Gift of Maybe, offering hope and possibility in uncertain times. Allison's podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, provides simple tools to reduce daily stress and worry. She's here today to discuss The Gift of Maybe. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Joan. So, Allison, many of us have goals and dreams, things that we want to achieve, but we worry that these things might never happen, especially when we don't see any signs of forward movement. I know in my life, it's really easy to want to give up and allow our ambitions to create pain or to create dissatisfaction in our life. So why do you think this happens? How can we have goals, but at the same time, not worry so much about the future? Joan, that's a great question. I think a lot of us have a fear of uncertainty. Either we're afraid that we'll lose the things that we have in our lives, the things that we cherish, or we fear we can't have the life that we want. We can't achieve the goals that we want. We can't have the relationships that we want. We worry that things are not going to work out. And what we do in order to manage this is that we think we know how things will happen. We write stories about what needs to happen for us to be okay. And then when things don't work out, we feel like things are never going to change or they're not going to get better. Or when something bad happens, we're not going to recover from that either. So we're always kind of playing this game where we're worried about life. We're worried about the future. And so if we have a goal or we have a story about what we believe needs to happen for us to be okay... If it doesn't happen, we're going to live in so much pain. And what this also does, it steals our hope. Because if you think about it, if you're so afraid that life's not going to work out, it's hard to live with that hope and that openness and that possibility that you can have the things that you want. And this great philosopher Krishnamurti said, 
you know the reason why I'm happy? I'm happy because I don't mind what happened. And if you think about it, if we didn't mind what happened, of course we'd be happy because we'd live every day in the moment and we'd be open and we'd be expansive and we believe that life would take us where it needed to go. But we have mortgages and we have jobs and we have children, so we mind things. So the key is how can we mind less? Because the more we could let go of our fear of the unknown, the more expansive we could be, the more we could live in possibility and we could release that pain. And I know most people listening know that feeling when they're able to let go. It's this feeling of great relief. And I think if we could just remember this, we could remember that the unknown is really our best friend. Because if you want your life to change, it has to happen in the unknown. If you want to achieve your goal, if you want a new relationship, if you want anything in your life to be different, the unknown is where it's going to happen. And so what I like to do is I found, because I was addicted to certainty, because if I didn't know what was going to happen, I projected things were going to be bad or weren't going to work out. So what I've done in my life is I've embraced this idea of maybe. And what maybe is, it's this open space that reminds me all the time, you're not doomed, you're not stuck, life always changes. And there are these mantras that I do, maybe everything is okay, maybe things will get better, maybe there's something left for me in this moment to experience. And it's just this one little word, but it reminds you again and again and again that everything still might be okay, even though you feel scared and even though you don't know what's going to happen next. Life always moves forward, and we will move forward with life. So there's this idea that, that this opening and this, this idea of maybe, that maybe we are okay. And if we could just remember that uncertainty is our best friend and maybe everything's okay and life will keep changing, we will find the hope and resilience to always find our way. Is there an exercise or or something else that you do that you can share with us that can help us to mind less and to let go and release that fear so we can stay hopeful? Yes, and, and I'd like to go back to this idea of maybe, because it sounds so simple, right? It's just one little word, but we need something to help us let go. Sometimes we're, we're all so afraid of things changing, of things ending, but there's always this next breath. What happens when we're afraid of the unknown, we forget that there's going to be another opportunity in our next breath to have a different experience. And so what I like to do is I first like to ask myself, what's my biggest fear? Am I afraid that I'm not going to get this client? Um, Or are you afraid that you're not going to get a job or afraid that you'll never fall in love again? Whatever your greatest fear is, write it down. And then ask yourself, am I absolutely certain that this is going to happen? And the funny thing is, we're so afraid of uncertainty. This is one time it works to our advantage because you say to yourself, Am I certain this fear is going to happen? And most of the time, we're not certain what's going to happen next. So then we could take a deep breath and say, wait a second, I'm not certain that I'm not going to get that job or I'm never going to find a job or things aren't going to change. So what else is there? And then we start to incorporate the maybe. And first, there are very broad maybe statements. Maybe everything's okay. Maybe things will get better. And then one of the most powerful ones is, Maybe there's something left for me to experience in this moment. We forget that. Sometimes we get so consumed with our pain and our suffering, we forget that in that moment, there's usually something else to experience. It could be a hug, it could be the sun, or it could be a new opportunity. But when we're so busy that 
telling the story that things are bad or we're suffering, we can't even see that extra space in the moment that's giving us something that's so beautiful. So what maybe does, it also reminds us that in the moment, there's something else. And then over time, you know, you just find these, these mantras, these maybe statements that just help you. Like for me, when I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling worried and I forget about the possibilities in life, I'll often hear myself say, maybe everything is okay. Maybe this moment is giving me something I can't see. And I take that breath and my mind calms down. And usually I do see something that's so beautiful in the moment. And it does calm me down. It does give me peace and also gives me hope because I know I'm not doomed. And life will change and I promise you, you will change with it. We just need to keep an open mind. And maybe it's just another tool that we can use to always stay expansive and always stay open and to make sure that we're ready always to live our best life. Allison, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Allison and her work, or if you'd like to listen to her podcast, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, you can visit her website, alisoncarmen.com. And as always, to hear more from Allison, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Allison. We'll be right back. In today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to Conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or Google. Search for Conversations with Joan and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, cyacyl.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part. Because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. How do you feel when you think about getting older? Do you dread what you believe will happen to you? According to today's guest, Dr. Ken Druck, most people buy into the myths and negative stereotypes about aging. He says that it's the fears we harbor that make us dread getting older. Ken believes that once we remove those fears, we can clear the way for our best years that are filled with joy, gratitude, and a deep connection to loved ones. Ken is an award-winning mental health expert, best-selling author, and international speaker. He's a regular contributor to CNN, and his books have been featured on Oprah. Welcome, Ken. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Joan. I love the title of your show, Alone. Change your attitude, change your life. Doesn't that say it all? It does, and especially when we're talking about aging, because for many of us, I'm middle-aged now, and And I agree with you. It is the fears that we have about getting older. It's that time when you look in the mirror and sometimes you're not really sure who's looking back at you because of the physical changes. 
And in your book, Courageous Aging, one of the first things you say is that aging isn't for sissies. So let's start there. Why do you believe it takes courage for us to wrap our head around the concept of aging? Well, you know, Joan, if we look back across the landscape of our lives, it was the ability to summon courage that got us into the school we went to, that allowed us to face our classmates, that allowed us to get married or form an intimate partnership with another person, to take that challenging job, to have kids, you know, and to move through life in all the ways that we're challenged to move through life. We had to summon newfound courage. And it's the same thing, even though it, it's a different kind of bravery. As we get older, we have to face into that person in the mirror and say, you know what? <laughs> I haven't been very nice to you. I've been right. kind of judgmental. I've kind of been putting you down and criticizing you and shaming you. And, and uh, I'm embarrassed to look at you, you know, and I'm going to change that conversation in the mirror. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to greet the older version of myself with respect and affection and acceptance. And can I use that example for all the reasons of what you just said. That is exactly how we talk to ourselves, And we would never speak to another person like that. But that's how we speak to ourselves. Yep. And that's how society speaks to us as well. You know, we have, uh, un unfortunately, we have too many people in that industry of aging that are reinforcing our fears, our biases, that are judging us and telling us that if we stay forever young, then we're going to have a good life. We'll have a life well lived and that we, we must stay forever young or we're going to lose our place in line. We're going to lose our value as a human being. We're going to lose our attractiveness. And yet there could be nothing further from the truth. Mm -hmm. We become more attractive. No, do we look like we did when we were 20 or 25 or 30? No, we may not. But, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is what is our true value as a human being? And our value increases. So does our ability to experience joy as we get older. Do you think it's more difficult for women? I think it's tremendously more difficult for women. Teach somebody every day of their life that their value as a human being rests upon their physical appearance, their image, their attractiveness, and how young they look, and see what that does to a person. Well, it's like going into a torture chamber because none of us can stop time. I mean, we have billions of dollars of products telling us we can, but the truth is we can't stop time. We move, we progress through time. We do get older, and the idea that we are, again, worth less than we were when we were younger is a dangerous thing that's perpetuated and that's so deeply embedded in our society. Ken, one of the things that you write about in your book is a courageous aging self-audit. What is this? And is it something we should all be doing? You know, Joan, isn't the first step for every every good movement forward, the first step is to, is to look at ourselves honestly, to take honest inventory. Whatever challenge we're facing in life, we have to be truthful with ourselves. And that's the reason in the very beginning of the book, we put a self-audit. Self-audits is simply a way to take honest inventory of, hey, how do I feel about, hey, the fact is I'm getting older. I turned 40 or 50 or 60 or 70. I'm getting older. How do I feel about that? And to take inventory and identify what I call hot spots, places where we have an inordinate amount of fear 
or places where we hold shame or we're apologizing, we're embarrassed, or where we're dumbing down because we don't, we're avoiding certain things about getting older, about what we're ch- how we're changing. And the first step is to reflect and to take inventory and to say, that's my work. That's the th- Those are the things I need to work on. Because if I change those things, the way I look at and the way I feel about those things, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to become the better version of me, the more courageous, smarter, a more irreverent, more fun version of myself. So we have all the power we really need the way we think. I think we, we have an enormous amount of power to change things, but we also have to pay attention to the fact that life has its own terms. Life will weigh in. Life will speak on its own accord, and that we have to balance, you know, we, we have to set our course and, and create a trajectory to our best possible future. And we have to set our minds and our thoughts, but we also have to realize that life will have its say. And that sometimes we try valiantly to create a beautiful life. We create a beautiful blueprint and then something happens and it's a setback. And we think, oh my God, I didn't do it right. I didn't think positively enough. Mm-hmm. And that's not the truth. The truth is that life will always have its say and we have to balance life's terms with our own terms, the terms we set for the life we want. Ken, I have friends that really seem to identify with the physical changes that are occurring to them. They talk about their stiff knee or having trouble getting up after sitting for a length of time. How important is it for us to release that connection and say, I'm not my aches and pains? I, I, I love I love your question because it's so important. First of all, we need to vent it's okay that sometimes we feel sorry for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, we want to go, yuck, I don't like this. We need to be able to voice our objection. But if we allow that objection to become a chronic complaint and part of our identity, if we become a whiner and a victim and a complainer, first of all, it makes people not want to be around us that much. Because that's all we're doing is whining and complaining rather than doing something to to make our situation better. Doing something and being an inspiration to other people because, yeah, you know, we've all got some aches and pains. But look at what I'm doing. I'm going to a yoga class. Look at what I'm doing. I take a walk every morning. I hike or I exercise or I'm eating the foods that are nourishing to me. Or, you know, I've found ways to vent in a healthy way and not to make it my preoccupation or my identity. Can so many people live in the past? They allow all those what ifs or if I had done something different to really dictate where they are in their life at the present moment. And you talk about looking back on our life and clearing the air of regrets, expectations, grudges, and so forth. How important is this step to moving forward gracefully? Well, you know, sometimes our computers store too much memory and they start shutting down or or behaving in a crazy way. They're overloaded. They're carrying too much memory and we don't have enough memory. Well, you know, in some way, we can only carry so much around with us in a backpack. Uh, you know, we, we, especially when it comes to regrets and things that we remorse things that we hold grudges and old expectations that we're still holding onto that are still a part of us 
that hold us back from moving forward and living forward into into the, our best possible future. So I think it's important for everybody as a part of their own mental health regimen to learn how to let go, to forgive yourself. We all you know, fell short of what we thought we were going to accomplish. That happens in every life. Let's let it go. Mm-hmm. Let's get ourselves off the hook. Sometimes it's almost like we're in a courtroom with only a prosecuting attorney waving that admonishing finger of blame in our face. And there's no defense attorney, judge, or jury to say, hey, wait a minute. This is a good guy or this is a good lady. You know, she doesn't deserve all this. Free her. Free her for the life that she's meant to live. Unburden her of this guilt, of this embarrassment, this shame, this sense of failure that she fell short and free her to live her best possible future. Ken, a few minutes ago, you said that as we age, there are things that stink and things that aren't so great about the process. And one of those things would be the fact that we tend to to experience more of a loss of loved ones. As a grief expert, are there any strategies that you can offer to help us navigate the loss? Yeah, I think sometimes in in our culture, many of us have bought into the idea that there's a fix for every problem. There's a diversion for every moment of emptiness in life. There's a pill for every pain. And the truth is that sometimes in our lives when we suffer losses, we really are forced to stand in a moment of sorrow. And our sorrow is really a reflection of our love. It's an expression of our love. It's the idea that we're going to miss somebody, that the idea that we won't be able to pick up the phone, that we won't be able to visit or see them over the holidays. How could there not be sorrow? So self-compassion is the antidote for grief. It's understanding, of course I'm sad. And I need to allow myself this season of sadness without being ashamed or embarrassed or trying to cover up or putting a spin on my loss. And that loss is not only a loss of life. It's not only that somebody we love has passed. It's often a loss, what I call a living loss, Mm -hmm. such as a divorce or a, a, a bad diagnosis that we got during our annual physical or estrangement in our family because people aren't getting along or we're, we're having a riff with one of our siblings. So it could be a living loss or a, a loss of life. Either one, we're grieving and we need to process our grief, allow our sorrow. And then what, we, what happens is we have a heart that breaks open rather than closed. A heartbroken open is what happens when we are able to move on and move forward and honor our losses on a path of not of despair, where we make that the central organizing principle of our lives, but a path of honor. The book is Courageous Aging, Your Best Years Ever Reimagined by Ken Druck. If you would like to get more information about the book or Ken and his work, you can visit his website, KenDruck.com. That's D-R-U-C-K. KenDruck.com. Ken, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We're all getting older. It's inevitable. And how we do it is up to us. So thank you for offering strategies that can help us make the most of the process and do it on our terms. Joan, thanks so much. It was wonderful spending time with you. We'll be right back. When deciding to list your home for sale, the goal is to sell your home at the highest price possible within the shortest period of time. Making sure that your home sells fast is an important part of this process because it makes sure that you net the most money possible. 
Hi, my name is Danielle Grosso from my team, GC Properties, New Jersey, within Keller Williams Realty, here to share four tips with you on how to sell your home faster and at the highest price. One, make buyers feel at home by decluttering your home. Pack away all personal items like pictures, awards, and sentimental belongings. Two, since you took the time to declutter, keep it organized. Before the buyers show up, pick up toys, make the beds, clean and put away the dishes. Three, give buyers full access. Some buyers, especially those relocating, don't have much time available. If they can't get into your house right away, they might move on to the next one, and you don't want to miss the opportunity. Four, and most importantly, price it right. With all the competition coming onto the market, you want to make sure your home is noticed. By pricing it to sell immediately, your home will be seen by the greatest amount of buyers, might get multiple offers, and will sell above the asking price. Wouldn't that be great? If you want to sell your home in the least amount of time, at the best price, with as little hassle as possible, a local realtor is a useful guide. Call them today to find out what you need to do to get your home sold. And if you have any further questions about real estate, whether that be buying, selling, or investing, please visit our website, gcpropertiesnj.com and click the contact button. I'd love to connect. Do you ever feel like there is no support and you are doing things all on your own? With hypnosis, you can bring in the feeling of being supported. Hi, I'm Mary Beth Battaglia, and I am a certified clinical hypnosis practitioner. Many times people feel disconnected and the weight of the world upon them. It's not a very comfortable place to live in. Through the mind and visualization, we can create support within us and all around us. Take a moment to take a nice deep breath in and slowly let it out and imagine yourself in a forest sitting against a tall, strong tree. Allow yourself to feel the tree having your back. Feel the love from the tree. Feel the support and draw from its strength to help you feel good within and supported. Allow yourself to really embrace it and see yourself moving forward in your life with the support, with the strength from the tree. And just see yourself feeling complete and happy. I am Mary Beth Battaglia, and you can find out more about hypnosis at MetroHypnosisCenter.com. When you're having a conversation in relationship and it's somewhat controversial, you probably want to be heard and be right. Quite often, that's what we want. And so we're maybe a little defensive, but is that right? Or do we want a result? The result being we'd like to get along. Hi, I'm Lindsay Levinson, Quality for Life Coaching. And they are two different things, getting along versus being heard and being right. See, because being heard and right is our defense, then that connects to our ego. But ego's not really going to get you that far. If you want a result, then you're going to want to work with humility and truth. So if you've got a difference of opinion, I mean, for me, I'll quickly look for a reason to say I'm sorry. And it has to be true. If I don't know what I've done yet, then I will say, I'm sorry you're hurting. I've done something wrong here because you're hurting. But let's talk further so we can figure this out. And you don't want to talk at someone by saying you this and you that because people just shut their ears. You want to use words like we and use words like experience. I'm having this experience. I know your experience is different. There isn't a right or wrong. There's just different experiences going on here. So we just need to talk it through and land somewhere that feels really good for both of us. So you want to do a lot of that non-heated conversation so that you can both feel good, but nobody is charging at another person. It's not being heard and right. 
why it's just working toward the positive result. Lindsay Levinson, qualityforlifecoaching.com. Look me up. I'd love to talk to you, help you in any way I might be able to. In today's supercharged do-it-now world, convenience is key. Now you can listen to Conversations with Joan at a time that's best for you. Simply visit your favorite podcast site, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or Google. Search for Conversations with Joan and subscribe. New shows drop every Monday. You can also access the podcast through our website, cyacyl.com. Start your week on a positive note. Listen to Conversations with Joan. your health. Joining me today is Dr. Rojini Raj, a board-certified gastroenterologist and television personality. Dr. Raj is here today to discuss digestive discomfort. Welcome, Dr. Raj. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. So, Doctor, digestive discomfort can be the result of more than just overeating. It may be caused by a condition called EPI or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. Tell us about EPI. Sure. So EPI stands for exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, as you just said, and that's a condition where your pancreas is not producing enough digestive enzymes to digest your food properly. So what you may experience in that case are symptoms such as abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea, or unexplained weight loss. And the issue is many of these symptoms are also symptoms that are similar to other GI conditions. So it's really important to speak to your doctor if you're experiencing these symptoms frequently or on a recurring basis to make sure you get the proper diagnosis and ultimately the proper treatment. And you can certainly learn more about these symptoms at identifyepi.com. Doctor, who is at greatest risk for having this? And, and how do we know when it really is more than just overeating? I mean, you know what our diets are like today. So how can we tell the difference? Sure. Well, in terms of EPI, it has been associated with certain conditions like cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, which is a chronic inflammation of the pancreas, or even people who've had some type of pancreatic surgery can develop this condition. Uh, But in terms of how do you tell if it's just an occasional indigestion or something that needs to be investigated, it's really about listening to your body, paying attention to the frequency of the symptoms. So if it's just once in a while when you know you've kind of really overindulged, then that's probably something that happens to all of us occasionally. But if it's happening frequently, if it's recurring, if it's something that's affecting your life or your ability to enjoy your life, then it's certainly time to talk to your doctor and get to the bottom of the condition and make sure you know what it is so you can treat it appropriately. Can EPI be dangerous if left undiagnosed? Well, it certainly can affect your ability to absorb the nutrients that you need. It can lead to vitamin deficiencies, um, the weight loss as well it can be concerning, and it can be associated with some other very serious underlying conditions. We talked about cystic fibrosis and chronic pancreatitis, so it's certainly not something that you want to leave undiagnosed. Um, you want to get to the bottom of it and treat it. And where can our listeners go to get more information? Identifyepi.com has a lot more information about the condition and the symptoms associated with it. Dr. Raj, thank you so much for being here with us and for bringing this condition to our attention. Again, identifyepi.com is a wonderful source for more resources. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Social distancing slows the spread of coronavirus, so stay a minimum of six feet away from others and stay home if you can. More info at coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. 
joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.